0: everybody ready let's get rolling this is the big show on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
1: big show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone welcome on back going to talk to josh parcell coming up here momentarily Usually we're talking to him around college football time, but uh, he hosts a a radio show in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to talk to him a little bit about the NBA and specifically Kimball Walker. And I would guess, Gordon, that we'll mix in uh, some college football topics while we're at it. Yeah, why wouldn't we? See if he's as high on the Utes as uh, it seems like uh, the rest of the national college football media seem to be. And uh, we're starting to see a lot of those preseason college football polls released, and the Utes are, are pretty much uh, i think the highest i've seen them is 13 but they've pretty much been right around right that area. outside the top 10 yep. yeah and most everybody is saying they're the the heavy favorite for the south division which i would agree with unless of course usc decides to get is uh get their act together all right joining us now is our good friend josh parcell he does a radio show in charlotte north carolina on wfnz what's going on josh uh, how are you man
2: I'm doing well, guys. It's been a while. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, we are. Josh, what's
3: it like for you doing the daily radio thing?
2: <laughs> uh, man, I, uh, I have a lot more respect for guys like you. Uh, I've been doing it now for like nine months, and uh, it's a blast, man. It sometimes you sit back and you wonder, do we really get paid to do this? So it's uh, it's, it's great to know that. Uh, great to know that I got a good gig, and that we have a lot of fun here in Charlotte.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Hornets and specifically Kimball Walker, Josh. What's the vibe around Charlotte right now about the odds of him re-signing and what ramifications, or I guess what it would take for him to do so?
2: Uh, very, very nervous, I think, for a lot of Charlotte fans. And, um, you know, this this guy's the best Hornet ever. I mean, he's the best player. To, he's the leading scorer, leading assist guy. Uh, He's broken so many franchise records. He's beloved by the city of Charlotte. Um, So it's only natural that the fans are terrified uh, at the idea that he may leave. And this has been something that had, I guess, been brewing for about a year, maybe two, uh, knowing that this free agency was looming. Uh, And and for the Hornets, they went all in on, on trying to win with him instead of maybe potentially moving him and Uh, you know, now that they're here and they weren't able to move him or they didn't try and now they may risk losing him for nothing, I think there is absolutely a sense of heightened anxiety around the fan base, at least, that they may lose their most beloved player ever.
3: Have there been any whispers about which way he's leaning or where he's leaning?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have any concrete information, but I do know we have Rick Bunnell, who writes for the Charlotte Observer and has been covering the, the Hornets and Bobcats for 30 years he, he wrote back in, I want to say March, uh, he said flat out in the column, I no longer believe that Kemba Walker will be a Hornet in 2019, 2020. So uh, he seems to believe that, that Kemba is on the way out. Uh, and if you listen to Kemba, going back to you know, before the season, and, and late last summer he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast. He uh, spoke to a handful of other media members. He spoke to myself. Uh, at media day right before the season kicked off and he reiterated his love for charlotte how he wanted to build a winner in charlotte and and he wanted to to keep his family here yet you get to january and february and all of a sudden he pops up on the jump with rachel nichols he does a podcast with chris mannix with chris haynes and he slowly kind of i don't want to say walks back those comments but just doesn't go all in on the idea that he wanted to be in Charlotte you know he made a comment on the SPN about the front office knows what they need to do if if they want to keep me and that was sent off shockwaves in Charlotte to say the least Um, and and it's interesting where his mindset is right now because it certainly felt to me like he had backed away from the comments that he had been making leading up to this season that you know I really want to be in Charlotte and I don't really want to go anywhere else.
1: Josh Parcell is with us at 97.5 and twelve eighty of the zone. Now, is he eligible for a super max extension if he makes All NBA this year? And if that's if that's the case, would Charlotte offer that? And would that be enough to keep him?
2: So that's a great question, uh, and we'll find out here in the next, I believe, week or so. You know, the All NBA teams, and if he makes third team All NBA, which he's right in the thick of the the race for one of those spots for the guards. Uh, if he makes that, he goes from Five years, 189 in Charlotte, to five years, 221. And that's a huge difference uh, for for a Charlotte team that's already kind of strapped financially. Um, But it kind of makes it interesting, this whole idea of the Supermax, because you've seen it backfire on some teams, especially small market teams, where it was designed to encourage to, encourage these players that are maybe in these smaller markets to stick around. And yet we've seen a handful of guys who, who have rejected that idea and, and moved on. Or you've seen teams trade a player before it even gets to the point of having to offer them that Supermax. You think about the Bulls with Jimmy Butler. Uh, the, um, there's been a handful of others. But uh, like Kawhi and San Antonio is another great example. So, you know, you're just seeing you know, certain situations where these guys have a Supermax uh, eligible or they're eligible for it and uh, they don't get it for one reason or another. I don't believe that it is in Charlotte's best interest to offer Kemba Walker a super max. And quite honestly, I don't know that it's in their best interest to offer him a max either. Uh, they're a team that has a litany of bad contracts. Uh, they're not flexible with their salaries enab- that would enable them to build a competitive roster around Kemba. If they had more cap flexibility and they had some contracts so that they could get off of quickly, then maybe I could be talked into Kemba Walker at you know $35 million a year. But the reality is, six-foot point guards entering their you know late 20s, really going into 30s, being paid $35 million, it doesn't usually end well. And as great as Kimball Walker has been over the last two to three years, I have a feeling that we've seen the best of him, and I wouldn't want to pay him or overpay him going into his 30s when he starts to decline.
3: What do you make of what you're seeing in the uh, in the uh, NBA playoffs?
2: Well, I, I listen, I understand that this is the biggest debate in all of basketball right now, is are the Warriors better off without Stephen Curry, and or without Kevin Durant rather? And i I believe that they are. Uh, it's it's been really fascinating to watch. And without getting into the whole debate about whether or not they're better, I just think that they're more fun. And their rejuvenation uh, since Durant has gone out has honestly made for a, a more exciting last two weeks of the playoffs. And we've had some great series. But you know, you go back to two years ago. Cleveland and Golden State lost, I want to say, one game before they met in the NBA Finals. There was just no drama. There was no uncertainty about around the entire uh, you know NBA playoffs. And at least now the Warriors, yeah, they swept the Blazers, but it was exciting to watch them. You felt like you were watching the team that America fell in love with for such a long time. And then you're going to get some intrigue in this uh, Milwaukee series. I really think that Toronto is going to push this thing to six or seven and uh, maybe even win it. So. I, uh, I've i loved the playoffs, especially the last couple rounds, and I think it would be in the NBA's best interest. We're seeing it play out in front of our, our own eyes that if Kevin Durant does leave and, and wherever he ends up, likely New York, I think it will be good for the NBA uh, and it will be good for the Warriors.
1: Josh, what kind of owner is Michael Jordan? Is he real hands-on? Is he somebody that lets the basketball people do their thing and he comes out here to play golf in Park City? What kind of owner is he? <laughs>
2: He is extraordinarily hands-on. Um, and that has been one of the, I think, issues that has plagued the Hornets for, for a long time. It's, listen, the guy's the greatest player of all time. I, I mean, I'm not breaking any news by saying that. He's very confident in his understanding of the game. Uh, he, he, is very, uh, he has strong convictions about what's best for the franchise. But, you know, you think about it, ever since he became – the director of operations in 06 and then the majority owner uh, three or four years later the hornets haven't won a playoff series and he has a very poor track record of drafting he has his team the franchise has a poor track record of developing homegrown talent and you know there's a very famous story in charlotte that i mean it's it's not a secret that you know the hornets rejected four draft picks from four first round draft picks from the celtics Back uh, in 2015, for, for Frank Kaminsky, and they or for the ninth pick, which turned into Frank Kaminsky, and that obviously people look back on that as a huge misstep by ownership. And Jordan basically stepped in and said no. Michael Jordan was also the guy who wanted Malik Monk uh, when Steve Clifford, the head coach at the time, wanted Donovan Mitchell. Ironically enough for you guys, so you know you can thank Michael Jordan for, for Donovan <laughs> Mitchell being on the Jazz because Steve Clifford was banging the table. For Mitchell at 11, and Michael Jordan won a Malik Monk, and he got Malik Monk, and so far Monk has, been, has come nowhere close to living up to the, the potential that you know, we saw from him in Kentucky in one year. So, yeah, Michael Jordan's been very hands-on, and, and it's been a problem for a long time. He's not James Dolan. You know, I, I wouldn't liken him to that, but he's certainly in the, the conversation as one of the worst and, and arguably one of the least successful owners in the NBA. Are you ramping up for college football already? Hey, man, I got my Athlon magazine yesterday. I've already poured through about half of it. I, I can't wait. You guys I know are expecting it could be an exciting year out there in the Pac-12. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
1: I, I'd like to think uh, you coming on with us on the reg during college football season helps you keep an eye on the Utes. And Athlon, I believe, had the Utes at 13 in their preseason poll. Any thoughts on, on Utah and, and that squad they're bringing back?
2: Yeah, I like the squad they're bringing back. You know, I like the talent they've got on offense. And I'll be honest, though, I I, I think the Pac-12 South is, you know, probably the weakest division, maybe the ACC Coastal. I think those two are probably the weakest divisions in all of college football right now. But if there was ever a year for Utah to snag, and I know that they they made their run at the end of the year last year, but if there was ever a year for Utah to to sneak up and and maybe challenge to actually win the Pac-12, I think they've got a great chance this year. Um, The Pac-12 North is going to be very competitive. I think you're going to see a couple of those teams beat up on one another. Washington and Oregon seem to have the inside track in that division. But uh, I like Utah, and I think Kyle Whittingham has done a great job at opening up his offense in the last few years. If they can continue to progress forward in that regard, I think uh, this could be a special year for them in what is a a very watered-down Pac-12 South.
3: Who else are you liking nationally?
2: Man, I mean, I I was looking today at the national championship odds, and if you take Alabama or Clemson to win the national title, it's a minus 160 favorite. The field is plus 140. I mean, literally those two teams are so far ahead of everybody else. Um, It it feels inevitable we're going to see a rematch. I would be a little wary of uh, of Clemson, and I I think Clemson's very dominant, but – at the same time, they lost a lot of talent on both offensive and defensive lines. Uh, this is a team that barely snuck by Syracuse a year ago. Um, this is also a team that in each of the last several seasons has had some close calls against or losses against some average to, to bad football teams. And you know, th- The thing I think we've seen about with Clemson in the last few years is that their ceiling is as high as Alabama's, but their floor is lower. I mean, Alabama hasn't lost to an unranked team in a decade, And, you know, Clemson has these popping up almost every year. So I think I'm a little skeptical of Clemson, but it's hard to find a loss on the schedule. So I still expect them and anticipate them to make the playoff. The team that I'm really excited to watch this year, guys, I'm really excited to watch Oklahoma. I just think that, you know, Lincoln Riley, he came in, he had Baker Mayfield, he had Kyler Murray. You know, those were pretty seamless transitions those years. And now he's got to take a guy who is a little bit more limited than than either one of those guys, the quarterback. And we're going to find out just how good Jalen Hurts can be. And they've got just a terrific group of running backs with Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. I think Oklahoma's going to be really good. And the question for me with them is going to be their new defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, worked wonders at Washington State. You guys probably know him really well. He had a bit of a, a... a backslide last year at Ohio State it didn't really go very well. Obviously, there was a lot of drama around the Buckeyes, but if Alex Grinch can come in and, and rework that Oklahoma defense, I, they could absolutely win the national championship, and they've got a quarterback with, with all the experience that you would want. I think Oklahoma's going to be one of the most fascinating teams in college football this year.
1: Josh Parcell is with us, 97.5 and twelve-eighty of the zone. Uh, Josh, the Pac-12 released uh, their financial information yesterday, and last year they distributed uh, a little over $31 million to each school, which means they're more than $20 million behind the SEC and the Big Ten. And we've talked to you for a couple of years now about the struggles the Pac-12 has had, not only in football but basketball. Do you think there's a direct correlation between those?
2: Uh, I, I do think there is some. Uh, and if you look at the SEC, for example, which is bringing in money hand over fist, you've got programs now like Kentucky um, and Mississippi State and programs that have not been traditionally very great are all of a sudden popping up and having great seasons. And, and a, a big reason why is their, uh, you know, bolstered ability to recruit because they can not only sell the network, but they have the money and the financial backing to build new facilities, and uh, attract those recruits. So I think you are seeing that. Um, I'm hesitant to think that we've seen that. I I think the gap will only get wider, I should say. I I don't know that like the Pac-12, for instance, not making the playoff in three of the last four years is a correlation of the network itself. But as you do see these other conferences sign on, and we just saw the Big Ten actually paid out more money per per team than, than the SEC did last season, you're seeing these conferences that are uh, bolstering their, their revenue every season and improving, it, it is absolutely a concern for the Pac-12. And it's, it's really kind of perplexing when you think about what Larry Scott's history was before he arrived at the Pac-12 as this really successful and savvy businessman who wanted to grow the Pac-12 and globalize the conference. and It just never uh, – it hasn't materialized yet. But I think, you know, ultimately this is a sport where you hire the right coaches, you're going to win games. And USC has had the wrong coach for several years. Uh, Oregon has had a lot of turnover at, at their, you know, obviously their head coaching spot. Washington's been very good, but when you're in Washington, it's very hard to recruit the same caliber of athlete uh, that and depth of athletes that teams from the southeast are able to. So uh, I think that that's, um, that's the big difference right now. But the gap could certainly get wider if the money gap continues to grow.
3: Why do you think the, the Pac-12 presidents put up with this?
2: Sorry, I couldn't. I think I lost you guys.
3: What was that? Why, why do you think the Pac-12 presidents put up with this kind of sort of shabby leadership?
2: That that's a great question, and honestly, I don't know that I've paid close enough attention to know like what the what the conversations are in the background. Um, but it, it seems like it, it. You know, the big problem last year was obviously the issue with the officiating, and you know that was a bad look for the conference. They've had a few instances that, of where you would. I think it's reasonable to, to question Larry Scott's leadership. I, I, I don't know what the future holds for him. It's, it's a great question. And honestly, I, I, I haven't followed enough of, of that background and what's going on to, to give you a, a more definitive answer than
0: that.
1: He's usually our college football expert who we bring on during the college football season, but he also does a radio show in Charlotte on WFNZ, bringing him on to talk a little hoops as well. Josh, it's great to hear your voice here in Salt Lake City, and thank you so much for all the insight, man. As usual, great job.
2: Happy to join you guys. You guys take care.
1: Thanks, Josh. Our buddy Josh Parcel. So Kimball Walker's gone? Sounds that way. Where's he going? I don't you know the thing is is deep in their heart of hearts and i'm sure that that uh, the fans josh talks to on a daily basis don't feel this way it's probably best for charlotte to let him go and kick into a to a rebuild because is he good enough if, to, to, if he earns that super max, right, if he makes the All-NBA team, yeah. is he good enough to warrant that payoff or payout and to build around? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And, and Charlotte has some bad contracts on the books that aren't going anywhere for a little while. So if they did do that, there's no way for them really to make their team any better. Nicholas Batum is going to make $25.5 million Ooh. next year and $27 million the year after that. He's got a player option for $27 million the year after that. I think he better take it. Bismack Biombo makes $17 million next year. Marvin Williams makes fifteen next year. Cody Zeller makes $14.4 million next year and fifteen for the year after that. Now, in 2020-2021, some of that comes
3: off so they'd have a little bit more flexibility. But by that point, Kemba Walker is two years older. It gets back to what you and I have talked about so frequently. When you do have a team that has financial flexibility, you better pay the right guys the money. Yep. And that's what you have experts for, to determine that. It is the single most important aspect, in my opinion, of running an NBA team. Go ahead and spend the money, but spend it on the right guys. and. When you rattled off those numbers, uh, those aren't the right guys. Nope, they're not. And uh, I thought his answer about Michael Jordan was an interesting
1: one, yeah. too, how he is super hands-on. I'll tell you what, if I were an NBA owner in Michael Jordan shoes, and maybe this is easier said than done. I'd hire somebody that I really trust, who I think is a real smart guy, and then I'd spend as much time in Glen Wilde playing golf as I possibly but why, can.
3: But why is Michael Jordan even involved in this? Uh, I think the answer, I don't know it for a fact, but if I was going to speculate on it, I would think to get his competitive uh, appetite. To get his fix, if yeah. you will? Hmm. Why, else, why dabble with this stuff? He could take his money and, and go elsewhere and probably make a lot more although although equity in NBA teams is pretty sweet. Well
1: oh, man, and he owns the jump man. I mean, Michael's got plenty of things to do with his time I would think and I am sure it's you know great to have a uh, you know to own a team, to keep yourself in the game, you know. You're you're still part of the NBA and uh but with his track record if he's a real hands-on owner, he's not a good one. Cuz he I I had never heard that Donovan Mitchell uh no, story before mm-hmm. where Steve Clifford really wanted Donovan Mitchell. At eleven, and Michael Jordan wanted Malik Monk.
3: I've, I, I think I have heard that actually, but I don't. Know I had I... not. Mm-hmm.
1: So, the, I mean, I had heard the New York Knicks one, where um, uh, Jeff Hornacek wanted Donovan Mitchell, and um, Phil Jackson wanted. How do you say his name? I always mess it up. Nikina, Nikina, Kina, or oh, the, the, the French the, point the French guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I had the name in front of me, I probably could come a little bit closer. But I think you know exactly yes, what I'm talking about. I do. But I had never heard. I had never heard that one about Jordan, so that's that's interesting. A lot of things had to kind of fall into place for yes. Donovan Mitchell to make his way to Salt Lake, didn't it? <laughs> Boy, to the benefit of this franchise, that's yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, we want to remind you of our friends at Action Plumbing. Spring into action just before the summer rush. Get a complete AC diagnostic checkup for just 39 bucks. Scheduled today by calling 801-833-3333 at Action Plumbing. More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.
0: This is DJ and PK. Bill Conley. He writes for SB Nation. I don't want to put too much faith in Zach Wilson. He attempted like 200 passes in his career so
2: far. He's still got plenty to prove, and I never want to overreact to a bowl performance. I go out of my way not to overreact to a bowl performance, but really kind of feels like he's got a lot of pieces here, and it kind of seems like if they don't get hit by severe injuries at the linebacker position, they've got everything else they want to move back toward at least the top 40 level. Really, really intrigued by them. I'm curious what their upside is on offense. We saw a whole heck of a lot of it late in the year, and their defense is almost always gonna be good under Satake, so
0: kind of seems like that's a pretty good team right there. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there on 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. The best coverage of the Utah Jazz in the NBA is right here on the big show. Ticket on 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. This is the most
1: Show Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to uh, remind you about our friends at Little Caesars. When the Salt Lake Bees win, you win with Little Caesars. And on May 24th, uh, you will win when 1280 The Zone. The Big Show is at the Little Caesars in Kaysville. Join us from 3 to 6 at 283 North Flint Street in Kaysville for some pizza. When the Bees win, by the way, the day after... Uh, you just uh, enter the promo code uh, Salt Lake Bees and you win uh, free pizza courtesy of little Caesars. So we'll be up there uh, promoting that. Love that promotion with the bees. Uh, we just uh, want to say a big thanks to Josh Parcell for jumping on with us in the last segment. Um, He uh, joined us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Want to remind you customers can get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with Flex Lease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Bowler's going to be in with us for the entire 5 o'clock hour, Gordon, so we're looking forward to
3: that. You know, talking about college football, if you had to uh, guess where the fan base is on a scale of optimism heading into this season, where would you place it for... What kind of scale? The three schools around these parts. What, like 0 to 10? 0 ten? to 10, yeah. Um, I would guess all three schools are north of 7. And why, 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 what would you say it would be? Like, let's start with Utah. Oh,
1: I think they're at an 8 or a 9. Yeah. They're going to be the favorite in I the division? That,
3: I thought that we talked to Hans that day, and Hans was like, well, they don't have an offensive line. Well, that's because it's Hans. And he uh, focuses on the trenches.
1: Not that I'm saying he. Um, <laughs> uh, you can tell a lot by returning offensive linemen and those sorts of things, and it's it's very very important. And I, I, but that's Hans's world. You know, that's where he comes from. The trenches. He played D line and O line, and not to say that it's it's not a, a, a concern, but I think Hans is a little more concerned about it than most.
3: Utah State has some work to do in that regard as well. Yes, they do. In fact, BYU might have the best returning offensive line. Yeah, they got a bunch of youngins coming back uh, who have now been through the wars a little bit and uh, have learned a thing or two. Uh, I would say, yeah, I would agree with you on Utah. I'd say eight or nine. You know, with the Aggies having the, the terrific season they had last year, they got some rebuilding to do. But they've got and they've got a new coach. They've got the same quarterback that we talked about before, Jordan Love. I would, I'd probably put them up around an eight, too. I would, you? too.
1: And they have Woodward coming back on defense. They have some—they return a lot. I know they lose some impact players, don't get me wrong, but they return a lot of good guys, too. And most importantly, Jordan Love, but they've got some talent coming back, and maybe that Gary Magic goes back up to Logan as well with Gary Anderson returning. So I think uh, they're they're hoping for a Mountain West Conference title. So, yeah, I would put them that high, and I would put BYU pretty close to that high, too, because they've— uh, you know, found their quarterback, or at least I think most yeah, the but fans. Yeah, that's, that's think that. not enough. Is yeah, it? but compared to where they were, there's certainly some I, optimism I, I would to look forward it, to. I,
3: well, yeah, I suppose, but I would. I mean, you can't base that off of what a stellar performance in a bowl game. Oh, I think you? it's more than that, though. It's a lousy I think he team. he had more than just one good. I'm game. not talking about him. I'm talking about the team as a whole. I'm. I'd put it more like a six. For
1: excitement for the upcoming mm-hmm. season oh I think it's I think it's higher than that we're not talking about we're not talking about what they they're capable of achieving. we're talking
3: about the excitement of the fan base and yeah, I but think I, for the I, first I,
1: time in a couple of years, they feel some real optimism uh, down there, maybe
3: so maybe they do. i don't know I haven't taken a poll or anything on it, but uh it seems as though b y u fans would have learned to uh, ratchet some of that back a little bit.
1: Mm, okay. So you don't think that they should be optimistic? Not particularly. Do you? Yeah, why not? Oh, well, they're facing that tough schedule up front. Sure. I'm not saying that they're going to win 10 games. I'm just saying that the, I think the fan base is optimistic about this upcoming season because they think it's going to be better.
3: I think it's going to be better. Well, I guess we're going to find out. I, I Do don't you know. not? It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of BYU's football program right now. I'm not sure what direction they're heading uh, with the schedules they're trying to play, especially early, the first half of the season. they I don't think they're good enough to come out of that part of the schedule with uh, much to boast about. Here's
1: their 2019 schedule. Uh, uh, home against Utah, of course, 100 days from today on August 29th, and then at Tennessee, USC at home, Washington at home, at Toledo, at USF, Boise State at home, at Utah State, Liberty at home,
3: Idaho State at home, at UMass, at San Diego State. Yeah, a really fine schedule early on with tough opponents, and then after that it just kind of crappy. But um, Well,
1: I think Utah State and Boise State are fine opponents. I think San Diego State, that should be an interesting game, right?
3: Yeah, but what's in between?
1: Right. But those aren't necessarily at the beginning of the
3: this- of the season, I love. That. I, I didn't say it at the beginning. I love I it, the. I said it starts tough and then it falls off a cliff. Right, right, right. But the, it starts tough.
1: But I, I think Boise's in the middle. Utah State's in the middle, and San Diego State's at the end. So, I think those are some pretty tough games, don't you? I love that San Diego State at the end of the at the end of the season, because November has been such a yeah. Such a tough time for BYU to schedule games. There's a really interesting game coming in November at the end of the year. I love
3: that. One thing's for sure is the quarterback play will be a lot of fun to watch this, year, this coming season. If he takes the next step. I'm talking about all three schools. Oh, I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, everywhere you look, you see something that's interesting. Well, can not Tyler Huntley stay healthy? I'd like to see him out on the
1: field for the whole season. Because he was really playing well before he got hurt last year. Let's see, a quarterback who runs a lot, not staying healthy. What a shock. Uh, excited to see, obviously, what Jordan Love's going to do. We talked about him a lot earlier in the show. And I, I'm curious. We've been here before with BYU where freshman quarterback have, quarterbacks have come in and really make an, made an impact. And then everybody gets all worked up about what the future will bring and it hasn't turned out that way well, in that, a couple of circumstances. That's what so. I mean
3: about that particular program. Where are the playmakers? I I've been asking that for a number of years now and I I don't know. You know, the kid coming in from South Carolina, can you see a playmaker? Is he a difference maker? I I don't know. You know where are the, where are the the real playmaking receivers on that team? Well, what do you think about Gunnar Romney's potential? Yeah, I mean they say uh, he was highly thought of, and um, I, I think uh, the whispers down there are the key he can be he can be good. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't matter how good Zach Wilson is if he doesn't have anybody to throw to. Well, Bushman got a lot better toward the end of last year. Did he get better, or did they just
1: start throwing to him? Probably a little bit of both, and he needed to block better to get onto the field and all those sorts of things, but his production was better. Yes,
3: that's for sure. Toward
1: the end of last year. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I think there's plenty to be optimistic about at BYU. Again, I, I don't think they're getting 10 wins against that schedule. I don't. I don't. Not even close. Come on, Jim. But, I mean, fine. But uh, talking about steps in the right direction, I mean, how many, were they, how many games did they win two years ago? Was it four? Four? I mean, that's from BYU football standards. That's that's pretty low. Yes, I mean, it is. you you gotta you don't just climb out of that in one season. No, I mean, was you that got, was a crater. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get, you've got some work to do. You got some work cut out for you. You lost to UMass.
3: <laughs> so I think I
1: think what BYU fans are looking for is a step in the right direction. I think last year was a small step in the right direction, no. and I absolutely think uh, there is optimism that another step can be made. Now, I think— uh, When what, I look at that schedule, I don't see eight wins. But see, that, I think the point that, that you bring up that is, is valid is that you, they're making it really tough on themselves with, with the scheduling, and I understand why they do it. And I'm, personally, I'm glad that they do it because— mm you got to find some way to make independence interesting yeah. uh, for the fans out there. But it, I think it does make it difficult to gauge improvements, particularly because it's at the beginning of the year, and that's a downside to independence. You don't get a chance to kind of ramp up and see the improvement. You, you you take your lumps at the beginning of the year, and then you have no idea what the second half of the year, if it's real or not, which is actually why I'm glad they play Utah State, Boise State, and San Diego State a little bit later on because I think those are going to be Measuring sticks for yeah. the program. Yeah, I agree with that. So, uh, maybe this year we will get a little bit better view of it, and w- if they improve, they they've got to win. They've got to win those games. Maybe not all of them, but they've they've got to win those games against those okay. Mountain West conference. Run teams.
3: through that schedule one more time, and let's see where we think the likelihood is for victory. Utah, Utah at home. Uh, well. Not likely. Yeah, the only the only thing that is in BYU's favor in, in that uh, regard that's a home game for them, right? Yep. And it's you figure that at some point they have to get a win, right? At, at some point at Tennessee. Uh, I don't know what kind of
1: team the yeah. Tennessee's bringing back, but I, I would say probably not likely. USC at home, mm, they're gonna be underdogs. Yeah. Washington at home, yeah, dogs there. That's Although Washington four. lost a ton, I think people are overrating Washington next year a little bit. <laughs> just my personal opinion. Okay. Not talking about this specific game, but Washington lost their whole team, <laughs> and everybody's just assuming they're going to be relevant again. I'm not. I'm not so sure. Um, at Toledo, you know, at USF, USF's a good team. I left them off when I was talking about those teams in the middle. USF's a
3: good team, yeah. or has been. Okay, that's there's a light. There's a likelihood for. There could be five losses there so far. Um, Yeah, there's a likelihood for four losses, too. Okay.
1: Um, Then uh, Boise State at home, at Utah State, Liberty at home, Idaho State at home, at UMass, at San Diego State.
3: Hmm. So you're saying five gimme wins? Yeah, and uh, they they might steal one somewhere in there. I think it's really important that they
1: beat. Uh, when you look at – let's throw USF in there. USF, Boise State, Utah State, San Diego State, I think it's critical that they win, what do you want to say, at least two of those?
3: Yeah, I would say so, but I don't think that's going to be – I wouldn't bet on it. I think they can get two out of those four games. We'd have to study a little closer about
1: what San Diego State's bringing back. Yeah. Boise loses their quarterback, right?
3: But that's a quality program. Last year's game was really close. Hmm.
1: All right, coming up next, we've got the Not Sports Report. Bowler's in the house, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.
0: This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton.
1: When it comes to Tyler Huntley, I think he started to show some really good promise there for a bit on what he's ultimately capable of. Now with him being healthy this upcoming season,
2: I'm curious to see what he does with Coach Ludwig. Can Coach Ludwig get the absolute best out of this guy to get that type of efficiency for a premier year to take place?
4: What excites me for Tyler Huntley and Andy Ludwig is I believe Andy Ludwig when he says he uses the player's strengths to their advantage. He wants to take what you do really well and make the team excel on that. And I thought Troy Taylor did the opposite. Tried to make you into something so that his scheme would work. And I think that will benefit Tyler Huntley.
0: Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. This is Arnold calling in to say, I am always pumped up to turn on the Zone when I get into my chopper every morning to head to work. Hi, my name is Jeff. A perfect bowling record for a three-game set is nine hundred. I currently own the state record with eight seventy-six. Kermit the Frog here calling to say, I sure enjoy listening to the Zone Sports Network. I do I prefer, however, the nine-to-noon hours. Hi, this is AJ Maudsley. You may remember me from the cover of the 1989 April edition of The Friend, as the sick little boy who didn't make it to church, but whose primary class still came and brought him cookies during church. Yes, i me, Mario. I listen every day as I work on my plumbing business. Gordon! Who knew we had
1: so
4: many celebrities that I, listened I, to the
3: I'm, uh, I'm, the Big Show? I'm absolutely shocked.
4: By the way, Pro Bowler Gary Clark's got nothing on our guy Jeff. No. I
1: like I like the guy who was on. Who was you? May know me as the friend on the cover of no what? on the
4: on the cover of the friend. It's oh. a, it's a LDS magazine for children. <laughs> 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 That was amazing. Oh, keep those coming.
1: Gordon, at the beginning, if you're just tuning in, at the beginning of the show, Gordon wondered who the most famous listener is that we have here on the big show, and we've heard from all sorts of people. Uh, our boy Don called in, uh, who was on, what was it, Uncle Don? Unky Don on... Uh, um, uh, Diesel Brothers? On the Diesel Brothers? We had, uh, we had a guy named Jeff who called in because he was running a poker operation that got <laughs> shut down by the state, and he made the news... That might have been my favorite.
3: We've had uh President Trump call. Kermit yeah. the Frog, you just heard yeah, Mickey Mouse. He did, yeah. Arnold? The governor? Arnold. We had uh we had Helmut uh Uchtdorf, oh, who the forget the brother of Helmut. Dieter. <laughs> that was that was pleasant. You spent some time in Germany.
4: How um how common a name is Helmut?
3: <laughs> oh, you see it here you, and there. Do you see it out there yeah, a little, little bit? bit? Is
4: it like Gladys? It was popular at a time, and now it's no longer. You don't see any babies named Gladys these days. Uh,
1: Austin uh, told off Zach Efron when he called in and told right. him how much he sucked.
4: Go back to High School Musical 17. Which I, I didn't oh, he's think he's a was talented very nice.
3: guy. I don't know what your problem is. What What is your problem with him? I just told you he's a hack. He sucks.
0: What he's do you mean terrible. What a hack! Suck? What? He sucks.
4: He's got abs, so he's famous. He doesn't a good actor. He can though. sing and dance. No, I don't think so. So, did, we're,
3: you, did you see the Greatest Showman? Yeah.
4: And you? how much do you think was him?
3: Oh, you think that was all fake? Huh? No, I
4: just think computers of these days do wonders.
0: Like what? They,
4: they, he's never sang the anthem at a bees game with an eagle screaming in his ear, has he? <laughs> he's a hack.
3: I think Austin's jealous. Yep. <laughs>
1: Uh, so we're still looking for our most famous listener. If yeah. you'd like to weigh in via the uh, Zone Sports Network app, the open mic feature, please feel free to do so. And
3: that's why Donny Osmond is our band of the day. The most
1: famous Utah, yes. Yeah,
3: one of them. Other than Gordon. We haven't heard from Bob Redford yet. So. We have not heard from Bob, which
4: is what sparked this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Come on, Bob. We'll see. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, Bob retired from Sundance this year. So maybe he's not listening today.
1: Maybe, well, what, does, he still, uh, he still uh, has a place up there
4: Sunday Sundance, right? True. And uh, you, as you know, from Ogden to Oslo, right there on the Zone Sports
3: Network app. Ogden to Oslo, indeed. Is, is
1: right. Wilford Brimley still in the state no, or did no, he move? I think he
3: moved. Is Wilford or Brimley is still on, on the he earth? He is know. still with us. Because I think hard. last time
1: he came up, I think we I think we Googled that. Yeah. You ever seen the Ewoks battle for Endor? Yeah.
4: With Wilford Brimley? Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> it is an incredible movie. We used to watch that uh, show as a family every week where they all lived in the same house or whatever. What was it called? What was the name of the show called? I don't know. I don't ah, know. Anyway. It was like a ripoff of the Partridge family. <laughs> <laughs> he was in The Firm. He was in The Firm. That's a good movie. Played a bad guy. He did. All right. It's he time- was the, Mel, uh, the postmaster general in Seinfeld. Was he in The, the Natural? He was. Yep. Yeah.
1: And you know what's interesting about that is, and I, I can't remember the exact amount of years, I think it's, well, like, so Bob Redford was supposed to be the young player and Wilford Brimley the old crusty manager. Yeah. But Wilford's only like one year older than Bob. <laughs> That's a true fact. He's only like
3: one year older than Robert Redford. Yeah, yeah but they, they looked like there was a, quite a margin there. It did. All right, time for the Not Sports Report.
1: I guess we've kind of been not sports reporting, but <laughs> officially. It's brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where
3: are we going today? Uh, well, we're going to uh, – I have two things. The first thing, we're going to Illinois, Wisconsin, and Indiana, because more than 2,000 pounds of Vienna beef hot dogs uh, that were shipped to those three states – ...have been found to have metal fragments. Oh, that's and then, not good. And so they are recalling yeah, 2,000 pounds of hot dogs? That's a lot. Right before Memorial Day weekend? Oof. You like yourself a good hot dog? I do. Me too. I love hot dogs. I I do too. All beef or chicken and pork? Uh, All beef. I got a friend who likes turkey. They make turkey hot dogs? I think so. And those that like turkey hot dogs have friends? <laughs> <laughs> I just, what? Can you imagine trying to enjoy your hot dog and all of a sudden crunch? You got metal in there.
1: Well, I'd rather crunch into it and uh, get it before I swallowed it. Right? Oh yeah,
3: cause it's down there. I wonder if it passes or yeah. if it gets snagged somewhere. I don't. I don't want to find out. I'll tell Gee, you. What's that. the grossest thing you've ever found in your food? Have you ever found any uh, foreign objects, like a uh, hair? I'll one
4: up it. Whatever you got, yeah. I'll oh, go Gordon on you. No, no. What do you got? Half a Band-Aid.
3: Oh! Oh! That's, that's rough. Oh, that's what do you got? Good. Nothing! That's rough. That's a good story. <laughs> I don't think I can top that. Never been
4: back to that place. I oh, not either. You want to tell us where you were? No. They might spend money sometime here. <laughs> so they're still around? Oh yeah, they're a national establishment. Like oh. you... Uh,
3: you would know them. Hmm. Wow. Well, yeah, but just because a uh, Band-Aid flew, uh, fell off some worker's hand somewhere, that means it's going to be an everyday occurrence. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think you can go back. Give them another chance, should yes. <laughs> I? They only
4: murdered one person. <laughs> Have you that, ever
1: seen the movie Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer? Yeah, <laughs> uh, your recommendation. Yeah, uh, where uh, he comes in to complain to the cook, and he's like, the, for lunch, I found a fingernail in my soup. <laughs> and for dinner, I found a Band-Aid in my spaghetti or whatever. Right. And he's like, well, sir, the, the Band-Aid
3: was holding the fingernail off. <laughs> uh, uh, underrated movie. I bet, I bet, underrated. I bet people have found all kinds of things. I don't years. want to know. We have another story. Yeah, we this, got another thing. This is gross And I, I hate to be redundant here, and I don't want to over, any kind of overkill here. But I was reading about Game of Thrones and their sequels or prequels. You and are obsessed. No, I just uh, it's 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 in front of me all the time. But I'm just curious to know: Are you interested in a prequel uh, that happens two thousand years, a couple thousand years before the Game of Thrones storyline, uh, and stars Naomi Watts? No, that's, that's actually happening. Sure, as long as it's done right. Uh, can I uh answer? What would be 2,000 years bef- before medieval times? Because that's essentially no. where they were. No. So so They're not nope. on the planet. Nope. I know, but the still, it doesn't- still, they would have made progress through time and Westeros, right? So, I mean, so what are they going to have? A bunch of cavemen sitting around? I don't know. Can I answer a question, though, that yeah. uh, you asked yesterday? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, and I saw this tweet, and I can't re- recall the exact figures, but somewhere around 13 million people watched the final episode. Is that all? Of, of game because it had been
3: averaging like 18. It's something. To, uh, anyway, 13 is what uh,
1: what I saw, oh. and it would have been the 71st most, most watched NFL game of hmm. this past season.
3: Well, it's on HBO. But that just kind of puts how many people
4: watched the finale of The Office.
1: I don't know, oh. but that's on network television. So, oh, that would be fine. significantly more. But. So,
3: real quick, just this is final thing, and I won't bring it up again. What character would you most like to see continued in a sequel, not a prequel? Uh, I don't know. Half the cast is dead. Aria, yeah, I guess, the New World. Okay. All right. I don't think that's going to happen, but it might. Who knows? You're, what, I, you would know. You're into what it. What star... Would you most like to see in a prequel, uh, you know, written by George Martin and uh, would have some connotation? Eddard Stark.
1: By the way, so he No,
3: not not a character. I'm an actor. Oh, I don't know.
1: Star in what now? Rephrase that? You weren't listening. Well, I was looking up the the tweet I quoted. 13.6 million live viewers of Game of Thrones would have ranked 71st among NFL games in live viewership last
3: season. Mm. All right. So there are people who aren't into it. Is that your point?
1: No, you just asked that question yesterday. I noticed that last night when I was on Twitter, so I'm just— I think
3: episode 6 or episode 5 or 4 got to like $18 million. So, I don't know. Maybe that's because a lot of people watch it after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Who All knows? All right,
1: Bowler joins us next. Watch stay, your wieners out there. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.